Well, here we are, boys. We're down to two. Two modern-day powerhouses, Geelong and Sydney, will battle it out for the grand final this year. Although they booked their tickets in vastly different fashions. One easing through the prelim, a clinic, some might say. Where the other, well, that was perhaps one of the greatest, thrilling, most sensational finals we've seen, maybe this generation. Some say the Swans are ahead of their time. For the Cats, some are saying, well, about time. Welcome to AFL Unlimited, Grand Final Edition. What's going on, boys? Oh, it's good to be here, isn't it? Exciting times. Good evening, everyone, and a sensational uh, introduction there. What a fantastic debut for the uh, introduction from Shorty. Thank you, mate. Thank you. No, I hope you're uh, feeling okay, mate, but more than happy to step up to the plate. Yeah, just a bit of a, a scratchy throat today, so I'll keep my uh, voice <laughs> to a, a minimum, um, but thankful that you're taking over the uh, captaincy Absolutely. So, like I mentioned, some really interesting preliminary finals. Let's uh, go to Friday night first, which I'm sure we were all pretty pleased about from a Cats point of view. And, um, yeah, it was one-way traffic, certainly, in the second half. Well, right off the bat, I felt like you felt like Danger was going to have a clinic, didn't you, when he got that mark and that goal. Like, he kicked it straight through the middle. I was on the boundary just going, come on! <laughs> come on, Perfect <laughs> Normally, start, I'm right? expecting him to miss that, but he kicked it straight through the middle. I said, he is fit mm. he's gonna have a good game and bloody hell didn't he just 28 and 2 i believe wasn't it that he was definitely deserved the 10 out of 10 coaches votes he got it was he's back to patty of of peak and mm. hopefully carries over to next week yeah it was just uh you know one of those games where you had some nerves going in full well knowing that our best was going to be you know very tough to beat and what a, what a great start. I felt like if we got a goal within the first two minutes, or uh, the Geelong Cats got a goal in the <laughs> first, first few moments, um, that we were going to be you know in really good set and be able to settle really well, which, which we did. Um, and I felt like Brisbane definitely had uh, field position in the clearance game going their way early on in the piece. But off the back of our amazing uh, work you know, and turnover game, especially in that forward half, which has been an absolute staple this year for the Cats, we were able to sort of get the scoreboard ticking ending up with four by quarter time and yeah we were able to sort of get that scoreboard pressure and just with um yeah our, our ability to apply pressure to brisbane throughout the game and you know, especially we saw in that that second and third term that just the the pressure lifted to another level and then you could just see geelong running in waves um being able to move the ball really well from d50 to forward 50 and just put brisbane uh, under you know enormous strain down back and just be able to find a way to hit the scoreboard and most importantly, you know, take take your opportunities. It was some uh, few. You think Hawk, Hawkins? I was uh, absolutely um, yeah, getting a bit nervous when when Hawk was uh, Hawk was just uh, could have put the game to bed by half time. You're thinking, oh, I hope that doesn't come back to bite us. You know, there's been prelims before when that's happened, and it hasn't ended the right way. But um, just a, a really strong performance overall. And second half, uh, yeah, that that premiership quarter was was amazing, Langs. Um, it was one of those games, I guess, you know, we had discussions during the week about we were maybe a bit nervous about this one, but, you know, we'd, we'd spend time talking it through and like, oh, you know, all the stats point towards us, you know, winning this game comfortably and, you know, we do this, we do this, we're, we're all good. And we had those conversations and the old conversations always ended. But this is the prelim and none of that matters. So we just go straight back, you know, have that conversation again. And, you know, that that first quarter when that siren went, the ball bounced. I'm thinking, gee, like anything can happen. We, sh- we should do it. And that's probably, that expectation is probably what makes you more nervous. And, you know, Mac Holmes wins that one-on-one contest out in the wing and sends it deep and Danger goes back to the flight and t- 
takes a big yeah. mark and finishes the goal, and that's that's one of the signs you see and you think we're on. Well, we're talking about pressure and we're talking about that opening bounce. I think you know everyone said Geelong's got to put some attention to Lockie Neal. How they're going to do it? What are they going to do? And for the first few moments of that game, it looked like oh, Geelong's just going to let him do whatever he wants because he just looked like a magician. He ran straight through yeah. the pack, got the ball straight away and handballed it out there or got it. He he was looking really good, but the, obviously the the Cats were did have a strategy and obviously you, he arguably is the best player in, in the league and he is going to be able to get plenty of the ball. But Geelong did do a really good job of quelling him in the end and it was just a, a mixed sort of bag. It wasn't a man running with, it was... We're going to back in our tough nuts against your tough nut. You know, we had mm. Tom Atkins, uh, Joel Selwood at times, running with him, just saying, hey, you think you're good at running hard and getting the ball. We've got a few guys of our own that can put the pressure on you um, and, and make sure you're not always the one coming out of the pack with it. Yeah, and not a bad way to go about it because, you know, I think the one thing with tagging, you don't really want to sacrifice, you know, a part of your system and two out of the three in the centre, you know, or only, you know, all that sort of that kind of stuff. But they did well. They did well. It was a big part of the game, wasn't it? And I think they they were composed, like Tiz said. You know, that first quarter has seen the Cats come undone a few times in those big moments. And we all had the belief that they could do it if all, everything went to plan, and, and it did. So perfect tone setter from Dangerfield there. And, um, well, you mentioned Holmes, Langs. We'll certainly be hoping that he gets up because that is the worst thing you want when you're, you're cruising going to win the prelim, you know, it's all done and dusted, and then you start hearing, gee whiz, one of your young stars is potentially in doubt. And he was giving the Cats so much as well in, in the in the first half. When he got subbed out, he was the highest-rated player on the ground um, for player ratings, and Danger obviously eclipsed that towards the end of the game. But, um, yeah, he, he's the epitomisation of... Uh, epitome? Epitomisation uh, of... Uh, <laughs> of where Geelong's... Um, growth has come from this year. It's it's not it's not Dangerfield. It's not Salwood. Sometimes it's been Hawkins, but they're just the cream on top now. The the cake is actually you know deconing Myers, Close, Stengel, mm. Holmes has has you know he missed eight games and it was no surprise he got subbed out in that Frio game earlier in the year and we lost. Mm. Um, he missed the St Kilda game. We lost that because we just didn't have run um, when St Kilda were running us off off the board and. When he came back in, he's played 10 games since and we're on a 15-game winning streak. So it's no coincidence he gives us so much. And, you know, Isaac Smith does that too, but it's just we've just lacked that for, for so long. Yeah, no, you're spot on there, Langs. It's been, yeah, a, a great uh, bit of growth from, you know, some of the younger players to really, yeah, keep the old guys in check or definitely are elder statesmen of the game. They've been, obviously, yeah, so good for so long. And, I mean, yeah, if we sort of touch on Brisbane, it's... it's um, Oh, it's a big loss and, uh, you know, it kind of shows the gap of where they're, they're at and what a great, you know, couple of finals wins, um, which will definitely hold them in really good stead. But we are seeing common themes we've seen in the past, you know, the, a very tall forward line, which may definitely change with uh, McStay, maybe McGoing. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. He loves his work there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, we'll, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. And we've seen, you know, Danaher you know, missing in finals a little bit. Um, might come cutting a little bit of slack this week with the, with the newborn, but again, you know, just didn't quite step up to the plate. Um, Hipwood's had a pretty good final series overall, uh, but ultimately, you know, just that inability to compete hard in the midfield for long enough 
um, sort of found them wanting and just their inability to cope with pressure and their pressure dropped off um, sort of after that. You know, that first quarter in a bit, they, their pressure game was really good uh, and they were really good for a half against the Ds when it came to, you know, being able to, you know, put them under all, all sorts of heat. But ultimately, it came unstuck and then the Cats' pressure was able to cause, you know, turnover like crazy and where the best team in the compact getting scores from turnover um, and from conceding turnover where number one as well when it goes against um, against us so really positive really positive you know signs there from the cats but yeah there's a bit of work uh, on the Lions front boys um, how do we see the Lions performance it was obviously a um, yeah massive defeat in the end and yeah. a humbling uh, loss I think they'd be really disappointed obviously but no one I th- think thought that they were going to make it through the prelim so I think obviously very commendable that you know they beat Richmond when they weren't favourites they beat Melbourne when they weren't favourites and and obviously you know it, it kind of got them got to them in the end um, against I uh, will many would say the best team in the in the competition at the moment in Geelong Cats who had uh, a bit of a um, chip on their shoulder and kind of really wanted to make this one count and boy didn't they um yeah, we, we've seen Brisbane slip in games, but I think they're clearly addressing <clears throat> some of these key points. We've already seen the news that I believe Josh Dunkley's requested a trade to Brisbane, so mm-hmm. there's some midfield power right there. They're going to get arguably Nick Dacos 2.0 in the, the mm-hmm. number one draft pick this year. I think they're going to be fighting again next year and definitely going to want to fight next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be looking into it too much, but commend yourself on... How what the things you did well reflect and review definitely what you did poorly, um, and yeah, just have another crack next year, guys. Mm. Yeah, it depends what vantage point you want to look at the Lions, isn't it? Start of the year, a prelim would have been viewed as an absolute fail, and I still think it is. Um, two good finals wins, which is promising and something they hadn't been able to do, but we probably changed our lens on the Lions halfway through the year, and certainly later. So we, you know. I still think it's a really disappointing year because they would have felt they were flag contenders and fallen short. But they'll they'll take solace in the fact that their their opponent on Friday night was in the same position last year. So are you trending backwards, trending upwards? We'll find out, but they will get some good inclusions. Yeah, definitely. Did you? Well, I think um, the traditional sense of you know if you get belted in a in a prelim and it's just expected, I guess you fall down the ladder and that's just the way things work but I think you know in the last even 10 years we've seen that the traditional ebbs and flows of um, how teams rebuild their lists and structure their you know premiership tilts uh, going in many different directions and you know Geelong and Sydney have been up there for so long um, Richmond had a pretty long crack at it and topped up on players and you know if, if Brisbane are getting Ashcroft and Dunkley especially to help Neil and they throw a couple of other things around maybe start with an intercept defender or someone a bit more accountable in defence. Um, yeah, there's no reason why they can't just have another crack, but that's all buts and hypotheticals, isn't it? Like, doesn't mean anything right now. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'm thinking back to a few historical examples of um, being belted in prelims. So we talk about Collingwood in 09, belted by the Cats, win 2010. Cats belted by the Pies in the 20, 2010 prelim final, win the flag the next year. Geelong belted by Melbourne in 2021. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can uh, find you know get uh, get across the line in a big way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if Brisbane can tidy up their pressure, get some more bulk around that midfield, and you know just 
keep that back line and that system really strong, then they definitely can, can go another step further in 2023. Yeah, it's... Sorry, go ahead, man. No, I was just going to say, it'll be all about how they do. Reflect, like you say, Chuck, because there's some good examples that they'll take promise from. And, and on the flip side, we've seen like Port Adelaide you know, mm. last year. And so it, it can depend which way. And maybe hindsight just tells us, but from within, you know, that pre-season will be big for them. Yeah, we were talking about trying to tinker with a few things and different ideas and strategies. Geelong did tinker with something, which I don't think many people have commented too much on, but did you guys see the, the efforts of, of Reece Stanley playing very heavily down back in an almost intercept sort of role, taking advantage of his height um, against what, you know, obviously was a, a, t- a tall forward line that the Lions had, and I thought it worked really effectively. His impact down there, and he, I think he took a few intercepts and his presence was really felt. And I thought it, while many would look at the stats and say, oh, he obviously had a bit of a poor game perhaps, I thought that was actually a really bold move by the Cats and it paid off. Yeah, it was um, It was noticeable that um, when the ball was seemingly in Brisbane's defensive half, uh, Reese would play as that, just like that big presence in defense and almost act as a, a extra defender and when the ball was in the four line that's when reese would become the ruckman and blitz blitz would you know sort of do that roaming work when reese was in defense uh blitz would do that ruck work and it worked really well and it's that synergy that we've been talking about with the cats all year that coaching you know excellence which has you know got us over the line notably against melbourne you know port we shuffled some things around and, and things worked out and yeah it was you know might not might not have been a big stats role but you know i think him and Coladashny as well were fantastic i know you you had big raps on colors probably one of his best games of his career just had that that sprint and dash which he hasn't shown um at times this year and you know he didn't have a leg and he was doing it somehow in this game yeah it was an incredible performance um and yeah definitely uh, agree that it's probably the best game of his career and <laughs> what a great time to do it um in a prelim final so now i was very very impressed with him and you know these guys like um, Close, I was so impressed with, and just his from from the get go, he was just all over it. Um, you know, Myers didn't start off that that well, but he he was uh, amazing in the second half. Three goal assists as well, with a couple of snags next to his name. Um, Hawk could have kicked seven or eight, but uh, didn't didn't quite. And I've been the case, but yeah, some some great individual performances. But overall, it was just a, um, a really smooth team performance to yeah ultimately get a really good result in the end for the Cats for the big dance. Yeah. You shouldn't fan cast movies and you shouldn't fan select a footy team because obviously <laughs> the people in the actual head seats know what to do and, and you know, people saying, oh, I'll get Colo out of there, get Myers out of there. They stood up massive and were really important. So, yeah. <laughs> go the cat. Chook's emotional. <laughs> we're going all the way, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I was probably a couple of those people that you mentioned, but... <laughs> Cats get it done. Their opponent, the Swans. This was a crazy game. I, I honestly saw my grand final tickets come through about three quarter time. I thought, gee whiz, we're going to play the Swans grand final. How crazy is this? And then it all turned on its head. Yeah, it really did. Um, in hindsight, really, the Swans were when Collingwood were playing well. The Swans didn't look that good, which which sounds crazy because they were up by almost forty points at one stage, but. There was a, a key, you know, tactical move which blew up in Collingwood's face and cost them the game early. Not having more on Buddy Franklin was just, you know, we talk about how well McRae's coached this year, and that has to be a big regret. Just not letting like Maynard on Maynard and and how on Buddy at stages it just wasn't it. Like he, Buddy maybe wasn't kicking the goals himself, but he was 
just that presence and, you know, leaving more just nowhere near where the ball was going because Buddy's such a focal point of attack. Um, left them high and dry, and I think it was five goals to none at one stage or four goals to none at one stage, and mm. there was a lot of work to do late for the Pies, and it felt like for the whole game they had no chance of winning it, but they were never out of it, and then with a couple minutes to go, you, you couldn't see how yeah. they were going to lose the Pies. I think it was a good move by the Swans in if more were to take Buddy. Buddy was clearly playing up the ground a fair bit more than you would usually see from him, and I think that was either to quell the, the impact of, of Darcy Moore if he were to take on Buddy, because if he's up the ground, then he's not there intercepting the kicks, and or leave Buddy free because Moore's going to be staying in the defensive 50. And, and obviously that ended up being the, the impact, is, is Buddy was able to, to get a bit more of the ball and probably have his the best game he's kind of played in, in the finals because he had, you know, a bit coming off a bit of a slump, to be honest, and... He, he was pretty impactful, and, and yeah, I thought it was really great by the Swans, and oh, even though you say they're lucky to, to hold on, um, they're, they're very going to be pretty pumped for a grand final. Yeah, I mean, you got to acknowledge their good was really, really good. I mean, they can put score on the board, there's no doubt about that. But I just, yeah, I think when that last quarter, they just they stopped to a walk, and, and they really did look like they wanted to hold on to that lead. And I know you can sometimes do that, but then you do, you sacrifice your own run. And when a team is moving the ball like the Pies were, and you've already put your vehicle in park and you can't start the thing up again, it's really difficult. So it was a hectic last few minutes, last 10 minutes, you know, the side bottom goal that Will Hoskin Elliott goal, just some of the crazy finishes. And then just the from a fan point of view, just watching that intensity of, holy shit, this is going to be a under couple of points game and whoever loses they're gone and the winners play in my club in the grand final so it was crazy stuff but I don't know what do you boys think of you know those closing moments because there's some massive individual efforts I just could not believe uh, yeah it, it looked like Collingwood were gone for, for all money and especially that turnover um, the McInerney uh, to get it back to 35 in the yeah. third term <laughs> just, yeah. the crowd was getting absolutely crazy but you know definitely some, some late moments and um whilst not heavily closely seen it and definitely seen some highlights around what happened. But, I mean, there, there was talks about Darcy Moore leaving Franklin all on his own, which was just, you've you got you to, gotta, you know, risk losing the game to win it. Um, and then imagine, you know, if Mills doesn't get the spoil there. But, um, yeah, like crazy smother from, um, I think it might have been Quainer, Quainer or Elliot. I think those two guys went... When uh, Mills punched the ball, sorry, or when Mills tried to clear it, and then we had Quainer oh, smother it. Yeah, and then you had Crisp moving the ball forward, and yeah, Buddy taking a massive mark, um, you know, with the minute 30 to go. Um, Pies were able to rebound from there, but just uh, very professional from Mills to jump behind the ball, and I believe he ended up rushing it yeah. and sealing uh, the win. King, you were saying when the uh, in, that inside 50 came for Collingwood's forward line and Mills spoiled it, he had to hit it absolutely flush because Moore was literally running directly behind like to an open goal. It would have been game over then. So I'd love to see the behind the goals vision for that. But we'll have to get onto that. But um, <laughs> If you can just get that to me by the end of today. Yep. But um, yeah, there's some you know, absolute crunch moments. And you know, even my check was in the goal square with two swans and could have stuck a boot out. I thought the boot was coming and going to get that goal kicked, but... Even some of those goals, you know, side bottoms was just, you know, just getting on it and chucking it in the boot, floating through. 
Um, Hoskin Elliott actually, you know, being pretty impactful. You know, he'd been a bit down, but two goals um, is is pretty important for him. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Sorry, Hill Hoskin Elliott. Good good player. Um, But, yeah, it was crazy. And the tide turning, it's interesting. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So there were two big changes, obviously. One, Sam Reid going off. A second, though, Kruger coming on for Cox. And... Many have argued a bit of the fighters that Kruger was even more impactful than than losing Reed. In that, you know, there was a bit more mobility around the ground for the Pies. I don't know what your thoughts were, guys, but what do you think were kind of were they really impactful in the momentum swing? Yeah, I, I probably watching it live. I probably didn't feel Kruger had too much of an influence. He certainly would have had more if he could have slotted that goal. You know, it's just I thought he was going to actually. He's not a bad kick for a big fella, but. I mean, definitely Reed is massive in the context of that game. And at this stage, it looks like Holmes, the word from the club, is encouraging. And for Reed, not so promising. So Mitch, Mitch Cleary has just tweeted, it would, it would be a big call for Sydney to select Reed as opposed to Holmes. So it's looking very encouraging. Yeah, so you would think... I mean, he's a damn good player, particularly a red-hot read. You know, his yeah. jukes are great. He's slotting goals from 50. Yeah. So, you know, you would you would think um, Joel Amadi or Hayden McLean, or do they change their whole structure? I don't think McLean played since round eight, and Amadi's oh, yeah. probably not that it's probably not that, that player. But well, do they, yeah. have to find, do they have to find a tall, though? Do they have to? Well, Laddams would have been great, but he's suspended. <laughs> so how costly could that be for the oh, Swans? Yeah, really smart from Laddams, by the way, with a couple of uh, absolute brain fades this year. This potentially cost him a spot in the biggest game of his life. So, yeah. Well, imagine yeah. how costly that, you know, if Amadi comes in, you know, hypothetically and doesn't have much of an impact and, you know, Reed's just sitting mm. next to Laddams in the stands going, cool. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? Did you... I was going to say, to, to move it back to, to the game that we're reviewing, um, I'd love to get your thoughts because Jordan Dugowie was leading the, the, the finals medal in, you know, in the first two, two games. Oh, sorry, one game he only played, didn't he? Yeah, two. <laughs> two. Two, sorry. Was really impressive. Um, but this game, he, he was quite... I oh, know I was watching the game, but I wasn't all in on the specifics. Was there a specific run with with him, or did he just not handle the pressure? Because I think he ended with 15 disposals and Ooh. and really didn't have much impact on the scoreboard at all. What kind did anyone notice of, of his impact or lack of impact? Really, I didn't. Um, I don't know if you did, Langers, but I know Clark was running pretty close with Dacos, and he was able to work through that. Apologies, 12 disposals. Yeah, he was 15. so quiet. My read on it again, and having watched it once and not super close like you, was that. It was maybe how they approached Neil, um, the Cats did. I think they were obviously, like the likes of Parker and Mills, were obviously defensively minded on Dugowie without a heavy tag. But You don't have to tag. You just have the midfield needs to be really switched on to being actively, um, you know, stopping the influence of a really, um, a player who's performing to that standard in a final series. Yeah, no, 
kudos to the, the Swans for finding a way to you know keep uh, Dugowie quiet. Did obviously flag last week that you don't <laughs> you don't want Dugowie being um, you know the reason you lose. Yep. Except you just let Buddy be the reason to, for Sydney okay. to win. Yeah. Um, we're getting the matchup wrong. I mean, you saw what uh, Moore uh, sorry Moore did on Hawkins, and you saw what May did on Franklin. It's just just mind boggling how they got that so wrong with. If the ball's going to go to Buddy, and that's the best chance for Moore to be at his best. So those kinds of moves that you put, you just you just have to stick with the structure and just go with what's worked and what was successful, especially in the first week of the final. They, they went down in the first week of the final um, to, to the Cats. But, I mean, to be able to keep Hawkins to such a, um, a low sort of stature there, and, and we saw... You know, unfortunately, Melbourne weren't able to get over the line either against Sydney. But, I mean, if you can, if you can ensure that Franklin isn't... The reason you go down, I mean, surely you do anything in your power to ensure that Buddy's why you're not, why you are or are not in the grand final. Um, it all comes down to that start, though, boys. You can't concede twenty six points to zip to start it off with. So we can talk about the last five seconds, the last five minutes of the game, um, and it was a great, courageous fireback by the Pies, but. You can't be conceding that that kind of start. Um, but then you're chasing your tail for the rest of it, and yeah, ultimately they come up a point short. If people say if there was an extra, you know, minute or two, the Pies win. They probably do, but you left it too late, so um, they're gonna have to live with that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very true. And the Pies are a great season as well, yeah. but and they'll build on it, I'm sure. But definitely, they they have a lot of belief. But like you mm. say. There's only so many times you can really try and bring it back from the death, particularly in a big I final. I actually have a contradictory thought. I feel like well, the Pies will drop next year. Really? Um, what do you say? I think that? we've seen it with a lot of young teams that overperform, is that the next season they kind of get grounded back to reality again. It's hard to go you up know. from fourth, though, too. <laughs> like, like, like not being a dick or like sarcastic, <laughs> but, you know, for a young team, like it's like, oh, Ge- Ge- Geelong haven't beaten anyone above them for the last 15 weeks. Yeah, because it's been top, on top of the ladder like that sort of <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised to see an actual drop like out, yeah, of, the eight, final, out yeah. of the eight drop by the Pies because they are a young side and we. Di- I don't think many picked them to make finals, let alone you know the performance that they did put it up. And I, th- I think that there's a psychological impact on teams that overperform when they're young is that there's always that mindset of, well, we overperformed and we're young. Our natural development will take us next season to be an even better mm. side. And we've seen stuff like that with the Melbourne Demons when... You know, they made the prelim and, and then they, I think they, did they miss finals the year after that a few couple oh. of years ago? Or they were really poor, um, similar with teams like Hawthorne, obviously, in 08. Sorry to bring that up, boys. Uh, Rough <laughs> up, to bring that up. The Bulldogs, you know, uh, when they won their flag back in 2016, dropped off straight after that. You know, they had a lot of young players. Yeah, they lost some older players. But, you know, that, that kind of, I feel that happens with a lot of younger teams when they do something exceedingly well that was unexpected, the next year they kind of drop off before maybe they get grounded and, and, and make some changes. So hopefully the Pies can avoid it. Maybe they actually look at some improvements because I think similar to, to Brisbane, and yeah, they need to... <laughs> I'm trying to remember if it was Brisbane we were talking about. They yeah. probably need to identify a few areas where they could improve a bit. Maybe they could beef up their midfield a bit more. You know, Pendlebury's, you know, can't be going around when he's 45 years old yeah. um, being their number one midfielder still. So... See how they go. Hopefully they don't lose to Goey. <laughs> so interesting with the Pies. They've been up and about for quite a while, 2018, basically through till this year, and you can take out probably uh, 2021, but they've been in finals 
all those years minus um, yeah 2021 where they didn't quite get there. Um, so they could still be on the trajectory. They're not a super young side. They've got some they've got some uh, elder statesmen as uh, mentioned earlier. They do have some youth in there as well. But I think uh, Collingwood being a young side is a little bit of a myth. Um, I still think they can be yeah, really competitive next year, probably um, top six, something like that. But um, yeah, a, a great first hit up by McRae um, and the Pies overall and should be impressed with their efforts. And I think every team just found it very difficult to beat them. Yeah, no, that's, I'll be interested to watch the Pies because I, I tend to agree. It could go either way. You're mm. not quite sure, you know, was was the year you mentioned the aberration and their yeah. finals team where he's took right, you know, on the up and now they'll you know, resettle. So. We'll find out. But uh, let's talk grand final. Let's Ooh. talk grand final, boys. When's that on again? No, nah, it's on Saturday, I think, mate. Yeah, keep it free. Uh, massive Geelong, Sydney. Give me your thoughts. What are you looking for? You know, what do we want to see from this game from both teams? Um, I think we spoke about it last week, but the three key differences for Geelong this year have been Jeremy Cameron, Stengel, and Sam DeConing. Jez was the difference in the first week of finals. <laughs> Stengel was great, and you know early he was what was getting a lot done against the Lions. He wasn't the sole reason, but um, the biggest factor, I think, of this grand final um, matchup-wise is Sam DeConing playing either on Buddy or doing that defensive role in the back line because he didn't play against Sydney in round two because he was concussed. And that was a long time ago. Heaney kicked five and Buddy kicked four in his 1,000-goal game. Um, and and Yeah. <laughs> I, I just find it, um, it... They'll have to you know have a really good jo- um, job, the Swans, to, to do that again, to get a similar output to that. And I think to Koning into the team and how the back line's operating at the moment will be such a key, um, you know, flashpoint of how big this game will be won in terms of, you know, the importance of that back line. And, you know, this this game, it might it may as well be 50-50. As good as Geelong has been, you know, anything can happen in a grand final. Yes, it is. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, Diz. <laughs> that's, that's all for me, folks. Titanic clash once again. That's been the, uh, has been the word of the final series. And round two was a very long time ago, and that's we don't really have much to, to draw from. And that game is a little bit of an anomaly with Franklin. It was all about Buddy that night, and Jack Henry's probably not the um, the defender you want to put one on one with Franklin. Um, and yeah, all going to plan. Uh, DK should get in this week and hopefully <laughs> teach him another lesson on the biggest stage. That'd be that'd be uh, excellent. But there's some weird quirks of that game. Cats start off really well. Um, the inside fifty count was just. Um, massively in our favor i think over 60 inside 50 so we got lots of supply at the scg and that's another thing to account for as well as sydney's grounds pretty hard to play at um in comparison probably the mcg a little bit more space a little bit more room to breathe um and yeah we had at scoring shots 20 27 to 22 sydney kicked 17 5 which is again not really sustainable all the time they were very efficient um, another another note out of that one too was Dangerfield had an amazing game against um, Essendon and they tagged him and that was probably when we didn't really have much... The, the midfield wasn't The, the midfield wasn't at, at the level it, as it is now. It was kind of like Dangerfield or nothing. Mills tagged da- Dangerfield, I'm pretty sure. Or they they, um, they got a tag and roll on him and um, then we didn't have an answer and we couldn't really move the ball after that. So after seeing the, uh, the stats from last game, I feel... 
I feel better after seeing what it was like and it felt like a, um, a bit of an anomaly, that kind of game, and puts us in good stead with those numbers relatively going in our way. And if we're, if we're switched on, it's looking pretty good, sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, the last times I've been doing the matchups and thinking of what are the crucial points, I've always been going to, it's, it's the key tools, it's the key targets, to up forward and out, up back versus each other. Mm. I'm changing it up this time around, not just for the sake of it, my honest opinion. Geelong has had arguably the best back line for the last six years straight. They're always there. They're always performing great. So their back line, you can back them in. Obviously, it's not been enough for the side. Forward line, they've had Tom Hawkins down there long enough. They've had Cameron down there for a few years now, maybe not as peak fitness. They've definitely got improvement with Stengel up there, but it's the midfield that Geelong needs to win this battle in. They've got uh, Stanley playing pretty consistent-ish football in the ruck, but really, Patrick Dangerfield is finally fit for the first time in arguably three seasons. He has been battered, injured, looking terrible. They rested him for six weeks, didn't they? Four weeks or six... A long time he got rested at some point during the year. (laughs) And he's fit and firing. Um, He doesn't look hampered by injury at all. You know, round one, he looked great, and then... Looked pretty average for a fair while there. Last week, he looked spectacular, bursting through the pack. You talked about danger um, before in, in his impact and how they tagged him out, but he's hungry. He's actually fit. He's going to have Joel alongside him, who's just as equally fit. He's going to have Atkins, who's a hard nut. They're actually going to be going as hard as they possibly can to win this battle. And You can tag danger, but I don't think you're going to be able to stop him unless you bash his head in to be honest because he he's 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 fit enough and powerful enough at the moment to actually be able to burst through the packs and and get away from and 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 score goals like i actually back in danger to carry this team on his shoulders even though he doesn't need to we obviously don't condone violence here at afl unlimited but uh, (laughs) um a very interesting points i think dangerfield will probably cop that mills tag and I tend to think, I reckon last time we played him, Atkins was almost on Papley. I feel like that might have been the way it was. How much changes over so long. And I I do think whoever takes Papley will be super crucial, as well as Heaney. I was talking to Dad about the Franklin stuff today. We were sort of thinking, would it be DeConning? Would it absolutely be him if Franklin moves up the ground? Because when do you ever see, all from a long point of view, want DeConning outside that D50? I just wonder... Could he take a McDonald and dominate him? Could you go a Henry? I'm very interested to see how it goes. They might do a similar to what uh, Reese and Blitz did. You know, if mm. if Buddy's in there, then DeConing's on him. Don't even let him get near it because DeConing's quick, and we've yeah. seen him play on King and Norton. He gets those long arms in for the spoil, and Buddy is a leading forward. He's not a marking forward, although he was taking uncontested yeah. grabs like crazy mm-hmm. against the Pies. And then if Buddy's up the ground, you 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 know you switch, you put a Henry or a, a Coladashney even on on Buddy because they've both got the tank that can stay with him up the ground, and you know he could mark the ball up the ground. That's fine. He's got a great kick, so that's fine. He can bang it in there, and DeConing and Stewart can sort it out then. So that's that sort of structural um, coaching tactical stuff that Geelong, you know, mentioned it before. Like they've we've spoken about that all year, and that they will devise a plan for that, and then you just back the rest of the defenders. You know, Buse on Papley. Um, you know, you have Stewart floating. He can play on Heaney as well. Um, Henry can probably play on Heaney. There's a there's a number of options in that back line, um, which can which can get it done. And Sydney's forward line is is you know just about the most 
potent forward line in the comp. Reed out is a massive omission for them if he doesn't play because he is that Blitzarves-like role for them. Um, and Hickey, their ruck, has has been incredible over the last you know month. And since he's, ba- since he's basically come to Sydney, he's been amazing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you never want to sell Buddy short, but I'm almost more concerned about what Heaney and Papley did to us last time and many other teams. And, and just going to chuck Haywood in there too. He just strikes yeah. me as sort of bloke yeah, who just yeah. bobs up and kicks two or three Mitch yeah. Morton style. But, um, of course, the McCartan boys, they'll have their hands full and stopping you know, Myers, Close and Stengel. If you can stop two out of those three, it goes a long way. Good luck doing that. But, yeah, the midfield is going to be enormous. Yeah. We've touched on the defensive stuff in terms of Sydney onto the Cats. If I was Geelong, I would be looking at putting not a hard tag but just defensively minded on Chad Warner I think it's where you can get the most bang for your buck I think he can turn 27 touches into 14 I don't think you do that yeah. with any other of their mids it, no it was interesting the Cats I think Isaac Smith kind of sacrificed his role a bit to play a bit of a defensive sort of forward role on Daniel Rich um, I'd be interested to see if something similar with Jake Lloyd, who is very impactful when he's on and about, he can rack up 30 touches in a game off halfback if, if needed. I'd be interested to see if Cats um, do something to kind of, you know, stop his influence in the game. Um, yeah, that would be an interesting thought of mine because I think Lloyd is great when at his best. I think Blakey fits in that conversation as well. He's He's been the main sort of operator running and giving them that carry out of the halfback line. Um, Lloyd sort of more just that kicker out of the back line now it feels instead of the the running player he was yeah yeah I tend to agree so it's going to be a massive game of course I mean you look at Geelong a really experienced side you feel like they've been building towards this sort of a premiership for so long now and Sydney well they've come out of nowhere most of us probably thought gee they're pretty young they've got a few weapons and then boom finals last year now they're up to a grand final what's your read on that lads in terms of being ready for grand final day stepping up to it you know what it means because these two clubs are in somewhat different stages of their development you could almost say different stages of development but they've really mirrored each other over the last 20 years you know both coaches have only got one flag from multiple grand final attempts um, multiple prelims um, and grand final uh, appearances over the last 12 years um, as I mentioned, and you know, teams that have been up for a long period of time whilst completing rebuilds and still staying competitive. So it's it's sort of funny to me that they haven't met in more finals as of late, especially a grand final. It's the first meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly for Geelong, and there was something Dangerfield was saying about his discussions with a bloke from the US who was talking about the mindset of the grand final and you know Paddy's had those games before and Geelong um, not just Dangerfield have had those games where they are trying so hard they're going backwards sort of like they're, mm. they're trying so hard to take the mark they just let it slip straight through their fingers and that sort of thing and this this US bloke was telling Danger you know it's just another game you've played you know a million of these in your career just go out and play it like you normally would and then at the end you'll think oh we've just won the grand final then, then that's when you celebrate yeah, well, a bit of a cliche, but um, sometimes yeah, you don't have to you know, go go above and beyond to a point where you get diminishing returns from trying so hard, um, as you mentioned there. Just talking about each of the players and different problems that um, it presents, it, I just get overwhelmed by the amount of uh, weapons yeah, that, <laughs> that both teams offer, and especially coming from a long standpoint, the weapons Sydney have. Um, and, you know, off, on the point around, you know, Grand Final Day and how, how it gets approached now, we didn't know Geelong recent. 
um, recently in the 2020 grand final. So they'll know this day really well. And they probably have the most recent idea of what the pain looks like when you lose. So I feel like that's going to hold them in really good stead. Sydney's most recent, you know, 2016, uh, has definitely been a little while, and you probably have a few players from that day, Heaney, Franklin, Parker, um, just to name a few of those guys. Lloyd probably there as well. Um, definitely might, might be missing a few others. Mills but Mills, yep. So probably not as recent for them. Um, and, yeah, the Cats have been building for a while, So and you just feel like there's a lot less... Um, Grand final experience, you know, from the Sydney perspective, doesn't doesn't mean that um, you're worse off. But I feel like, yeah, the Cats having such recent pain with it, and we've we've seen, you know, Bomber um, very uh, in a very big way, you know, with the '09 Grand Final. It's like, well, the year before, um, you you boys hated this, and <laughs> we, we've got to do everything we can to um to yeah to to find a way over the line. You, you don't want to taste that pain again. Um, and that recency may may hold the cats in potentially better stead, and you you could have anywhere from ten to fifteen Sydney players that um, have never experienced it, and it's it's a big occasion. Yeah, it, it's going to be an absolutely ripping game, and you don't have to sell me to watch this game. It's going to be a spectacle. But I'd love to get your thoughts, guys, T- to get someone to watch this game. What is the story that you're telling them? What is the the narrative of this game that makes it so important? I mean, this game, like this matchup, you know, you can tell stories of it, of identify anything on any level of the ground, but what is it that you're telling someone to say you should watch this game for this reason? Oh, that's a good question. You'd almost just have to show them the prelim if they were just an overseas person. Look what look what AFL footy can produce. But I just think there's so much history between these two in the last 20 years you know i think they're powerhouses of the competition so look there's nothing absolutely specific that jumps out to me that we probably haven't touched on already but i mean a hundred thousand people at the mcg what more could you want hey i guess on individual storylines there's probably three that immediately jump up for me you know joel or buddy you know buddy's about to end his career joel will go down as one of the greatest players of all time with 40 finals that no one will ever eclipse again and four flags. Um, you know, Holmes and Reed, there's injured players and that heartbreak story on both sides. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, individual talking points from, from for this game and um, the storylines of, you know, success and redemption in McCartan and Stengel as well. They're really good, you know, from a neutral observer. You know, this kid, you know, was out in the streets and, you know, McCartan was, you know really had yeah well he's just you know really his life was at a crossroads like not just his career his life with his concussion issues and he's been a fantastic both of them have been fantastic contributors for both their teams absolutely and you know from a coaching perspective as well just this is an opportunity um a great opportunity for two coaches that have been really good coaches over their their tenure and they've been around for a long time um i think about 10 10 to 12 years both respectively um, I think Longmire got there around 2010 and they've only won one flag each and probably both deserve to have more than one flag each and now we're going to see one of those two coaches are going to be a um, you know, multiple premiership coach um, dual premiership coach overall um, and yeah basically solidify themselves as potentially you know you go from a, a really good coach to one of the a great coach and one of the all-time greats um, and, you know, if, if Scotty gets that, then it's like one of the most amazing rebuilds ever with having 10 years of dominance and rebuilding and being contending at the same time to then end that with a, with a premiership would be absolutely unbelievable. 
And then you've got Sydney as well. They've lost their last two grand finals. And if they were going down again, that's three grand finals they've lost in a row. And they were favourites in the first two of them. 2014 and 2016, they were favourites. Um, and then if they were to go down again, that's, that's three in a row. So then that, that would just be unbelievable if they, if they went down again not being able to take the opportunities and striking while the iron's hot when you've got that chance. And Geelong would have, you know, Geelong can lose three grand finals in the last, you know, 15 years as well. Yeah. You know, we, we won a few as well, but they've still lost three. And when you're playing in six at a 50% hit rate, yeah. three for three or three and three. Mm. They're perfect stories, guys. I, I couldn't have come up with anything better myself. Hit hit every single aspect of what is making this game an absolute spectacle. I'm really excited about it. No one mentioned Robbie Williams yet. <laughs> I'll get around that. No, yeah, definitely. Buddy, in the ninth year of a contract, isn't it, that no one thought he'd actually reach, could give them the grand final that they signed him on in the first place. Joel Selwood cementing a legacy as a captain of his football club, you know, Reaching a premiership as a captain is, is so much... It's, you can see how important that is to him. Patrick Dangerfield, the elusive flag, you know, after being considered one of the best players in the league who hasn't ever reached the milestone, hasn't even made... Oh, sorry, he made the Grand Final a couple of years ago, but he'd like to forget that one, just like me. Um, yeah, really, this is going to be an absolute war between two great teams, and I just can't wait to catch it. Yeah, sports so black and white, isn't it? You know, depending on the result this weekend, it changes the whole narrative. Uh, like the coaches, but even these clubs, you know, they the winner. All right, we're pretty good in grand finals. We've had some real success. The loser, they go, gee whiz, we just can't get over the line in that big game. But uh, I'd love to hear your tips, boys. What is the result going to be Saturday? Just another one to add to the storylines too. I just saw in the news before, it's Gary Rowan's fourth grand final and he's been unsuccessful oh. in all of them. So that's oh, no snuck up really quick when, when you think it of it. That should be the most losses in the AFL era for either him or Buddy Franklin, I think, yeah. will have four yeah, losses. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, back to tips. Um, it won't be an easy game. We know that. It's not going to be a, a blowout um, either way. Um, so the margin will be under 30 points I think and, and that would be a lot in a grand final like 30 points in a grand final um, I said last week Geelong had got over their mental hurdles and their demon teams weren't sort of in that um, area to sort of knock us out of you know a prelim or a grand final and I think our mental state and resilience has been strong all year to the point where we came back in multiple games where we looked shot and you know, even go back to round two, Colling- uh, round three Collingwood and we shouldn't have won that game and we did. Port shouldn't have won that game and we did. Richmond probably shouldn't have won that game and we did. Um, the mental resilience is going to get Geelong over the line, I think, and the experience on field. Um, they're both aligning with each other, that, that physical and that mental and honestly the spiritual stuff. There's a bit of destiny about the club this year with with Geelong and I'm sure everyone's going to say that about their team and I'm sure Sydney will say that with with Buddy signing off as well but um, yeah Geelong Geelong's going to hopefully get it done oh I feel just feel great after yeah I feel great after hearing um, yeah the confidence there in, in the Cats um, yeah, it's just going to be yeah one one for the ages. I, I suspect and will be closer as you mentioned their lengths with just two yeah really great sides over a long period of time. Finally playing their first grand final ever, which is just uh, bizarre really considering the success these two teams have had. 
I'm I'm feeling good about the cats getting over the line. I feel like everything has just been down to the minute this year in terms of the preparation, the professionalism, um, the ability to rest key players when probably in the past we've gone, oh, no, we need Selwood and Dangerfield to win this game. And we've potentially you know, taken a risk with not playing them and then giving other players you know, uh, more responsibility and ultimately handing the keys over to those guys as being able to help that internal growth and development and, and also at the same time taking away the reliance from Selwood and Dangerfield having to play the best game of their careers for us to go over the line. They're the cherry on top players now, as you said, Langs, um, earlier in the piece. And just those points of differences, you know, Hawkins in the ruck, you know, Cameron being able to roam up the ground and cause mischief no matter where he goes. Um, you know, DK down back is just a, a massive weapon for us. And, and Stewart, who didn't play in the finals at all last year, massive inclusion. Um, the Cats with such an even midfield distribution, being able to win contests, number one turnover team, number one from defending turnover, um, can beat you in multiple ways. So can Sydney. And we know that Sydney's pressure is absolutely unbelievable and that's going to really cause us a lot of dramas and it's not going to allow us to play the way we want to play. Um, I think, yeah, we've just so much just so much on the line and just that, that recent grand final that went um, astray. I feel like the Cats will... Find a way to win by 14 points. Did you give us a margin there, Jack? Uh, not a direct okay. margin. Um, 21. Thank you. I'll, um, I'll keep it short and sharp. Oh. <laughs> I think, Tiz, you covered everything I possibly could have had to say. <laughs> nah. No, it's all right. Yeah, it's cool. great. Spoke spectacular. <gasps> I was going to wait for a hermit crab or a tortoise or whatever to tell me the result because we'll see those on the news this week. Um... But, realistically, I think Geelong has completely rebuilt the new coaching structure that's changed the, the game. Basically, um, players who are fit, everyone's firing. There's no... they got a fully fit list. I think the Cats will get it done. I'm saying it with my heart, obviously, but my mind as well. Um, cats by 17 points. <laughs> that was exactly the margin I was going to go, Chooks. So, um, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, you try to take away your own bias and hopes, but after the game on Friday night, we were sort of discussing, oh, who would you want to win? Oh, the Pies, Sydney, and I sort of just thought, well, whoever we play, we'll, we'll beat them both. So, and that's not to be arrogant. I just think Geelong's best football will get it done, and it'll come down to being big in the big moments, as is always the case in grand finals. It's not to undersell Sydney, but I, just, I do think the Cats can get it done in, in what will be a really tough game. Stating the obvious, and uh, Paddy Cripps would be loved to playing on this day, and he may well be one day. He does seem born for September action, but he's Brownlow medalist, boys. It was great to see, and what a thrilling count it was as well. Oof. Incredible, yeah, a, a deserving winner. Um, the amount of work and effort he's put into making Carlton a better team on and off the field, uh, he finally gets some recognition, and of course, he'll say he wants some team recognition, win a flag, but. You know, he'll always be a champion now and you can never take that away from him. Um, and he individually deserves some reward and that reward goes to the club as well, um, not not just for him. You know, to have a Brownlow medalist is nothing to sneeze at at your club. Um, it's very prestigious and it's a, you know, it takes a whole club to make a Brownlow medalist. It's not just the player. Um, so very deserving and an extremely exciting count. 
It was, uh, yeah, a thrilling count, that's for sure. And Crips, yeah, a deserved Brownlow medalist. He's had some some really, uh, yeah, significant seasons and probably some, you know, downer seasons um, the last couple of years with, um, you know, injury and just a lot on his plate mentally as well. Um, and, yeah, to be able to respond in such a big way was, um, yeah, was huge for him and the club. Um, I really loved, yeah, the way he spoke and just openly admitting that, um, yeah, he was nervous around the media and not able to sort of, you know, string sentences together. And then to be able to put the work into, you know, really be able to zone in on that weakness was, um, yeah, such a such a great trait from, from Paddy. And, yeah, he's just such a such a great family man too. Um, you know, being able to acknowledge, acknowledge uh, all, all the, you know, <laughs> all the uh, influence from his folks, um, yeah, from day dot really. And, yeah, being able to find a way there. So, no, it was an amazing count. One, one of the best seasons and one of the best counts um, I reckon we can recall, boys. And what a deserving winner. Without it, without its controversy, uh, I don't think we'll, we'll delve into that uh, that one today. But um, let's just, uh, yeah, focus away from the negative and just focus on what an amazing count and what an amazing uh, result it was for Paddy. Definitely a, a deserved winner. And... More excited about the grand finals. I got something predicted right from episode one. I said Paddy Cripps would... So I may have said Carlton would win the flag, but I feel like getting a Coleman medalist and the Brownlow medalist, it, it's more of an anomaly that they didn't somehow win the flag. Yeah. Um, beautiful effort, Paddy Cripps. And I think it just goes to show, I said, you know, he's, he's got the size, the, the character that he'd stand out. And some would argue that, you know, he wasn't the best player of the year I think he was definitely spectacular um, for at least the first half of the year he was definitely in my opinion the, the best player all year um, and then he came back in the second half of the year to show that yeah he, he's a star um, uh, I always well, a lot of people would say he's a deserved Brownlow medalist since he started people thought he was going to be a Brownlow medalist you know he's that good that powerful and Jeez, it finally happened. I was only saying it the other day that, you know, like, you know, you always hear about this guy, he's going to be a Brownlow medalist one day, and they never bloody end up a Brownlow medalist. Pendle, Selwood, didn't get it done. <laughs> Paddy Cripps from get-go, everyone's going, oh, he'll win a Brownlow one day, and he's done it. He's ticked a box. That's just you're, um, you're stealing my thunder every time here. Chuck a 17 point. I was going to say the exact same thing about Pendlebury and Selwood. They're not easy to win Brownlows. You sort of just think, yeah, they're going to win one one day. And that oh, oh, my God. <laughs> Paddy Cripps is my favourite player in the game outside of any Geelong players, so I was absolutely stoked. And uh, I must admit, when he polled one vote in the first round, I thought, well, he's probably gone. If he's not getting three for that, when will he? He did get three in the Adelaide game where Brody Smith had 37 kicks and 12 marks and what? only got one vote, and Cripps got three votes for the in a losing game. Was that when he had 40? Because I remember them saying Walsh and Cripps got 40, but they weren't, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so interesting, but no, great winner. Very well liked and very well deserved. So, boys, Barrick Hard on Saturday. That is a wrap for the preview. Um, Langers, hope you get some soothers into you, mate. But um, obviously, comment below or wherever you'd like about uh, your tips, what you think is going to win this grand final. But uh, nerves aren't too bad at the minute, but they'll definitely grow leading up to it. So thanks for previewing this one with us, lads. Beautiful. Good luck to the taxi drivers in the grand final sprint this year, if that's on. Just a pleasure to be here and uh, go Cats. Hopefully we can um, right all the wrongs and get the job done. It's been a great year with all of you boys. Um, really enjoyed this year and an awesome season. And this time next week we'll either be really happy or, or really upset. Oh, but it won't be an episode. Yeah, yeah. But um, regardless of what happens, it's been an awesome year to do this and, and season in general. Yeah.